welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I'm going to speak to you tonight about God's extravagant love. And I'm going to start with a story. In um, 2006, Chris and I had been in the USA. That's where we live, in Los Angeles. We'd been leading a church there for 10 years. And um, it had been pretty hard, a hard 10 years. And my daughter, Nassie, had actually just got married and left home. She was 18. And it was just, we were really tired. And uh, God provided an incredible holiday for us off the coast of South Africa. There's an island called Mauritius. It's my favorite place. (laughs) And God provided this incredible holiday for us in Mauritius. And I never forget, I was very wary, and I know the best way to refresh myself is in Him. And uh, I just went and I sat on a little chair overlooking this incredible ocean view, but it was raining. And so I was sitting in this little chair with a hoodie over my head. I had my iPod on, little headphones in my ears, and I'm sitting there and I'm just worshiping, just being refreshed by him. And I open up my eyes, and right in front of me, over the ocean, is this phenomenal rainbow. Oh, I need a look. Phenomenal rainbow, like brilliantly clear, and I could see it from start to finish, which I'd never seen. And, you know, in America, we hardly see rainbows. I don't remember seeing many in my life. And there was this rainbow, like start to finish, over the ocean, crystal clear. And I I was so amazed. I was just like, wow. And I just felt the Spirit of God say to me, do you think I would put a rainbow in the sky just for you? Am I doing something wrong? Okay. And I just, you know, my instant response was, I'm going to be very honest tonight. I hope that's okay with you. (laughs) My instant response was, no, man, everybody's seeing that rainbow. It's a geomorphological phenomenon. Like, no, not for me. But the Spirit of God wouldn't leave me. Just said, do you believe I would put that rainbow in the sky just for you? And it just, that question tugged at my heart as I realized I didn't believe. And I just felt the Spirit of God say, Meryl, I would put that rainbow in the sky just for you. And you know why? Because God knows me. And I find how can I I find God's creativity captivating. I find God's beauty absolutely enthralling. I'm filled with wonder when I see a gorgeous sunset because I think that's him. That's him. He's putting himself on display for all to see. That rainbow is him. And you see, he knows me. He knows I get a thrill out of those kind of things. And you know what? I had to sit there weeping saying, God, you would put that rainbow in the sky just for me because of your extravagant love. I want to ask you tonight, ladies, do you see it in your day-to-day world? Do you believe it in your heart that he loves you extravagantly? Do you allow your mind to dwell on the extravagant love of God? You see, if I asked you tonight and I said, do you know God loves you? I think those of you that know him would say, yes, absolutely. 
Do you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? You would say, oh yeah, absolutely. But if I had to ask, do you know the intimate, personal love of God for you? By name. I wish I knew more names. I, you know, Kelly, Elise, Sally. Do you know God's intimate love over your life? See, because it's easy to know the love of God generically for everyone. But what about the love, the extravagant love of God for you? I want tonight, my desire is God open our eyes to see. Open our hearts to believe. Let us walk out of here with faith that we are going to see the extravagant love of God in our day-to-day world. You see, his scripture says things like this. I have blotted out your sins like a cloud, and like a thick cloud your transgressions. Isaiah 1 says, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. See, that's extravagant love. That's like love we don't deserve. Not one of us in this room. That's his extravagant love. Revelation 22. Let the one who is thirsty come and the one who desires take the water of life without price. See, that's an extravagant God. That's a God of love. That's a God of generosity. That's a God who's big and able. Psalm 103, if you want to look at it at home, that would be a good psalm to go home and meditate on because it speaks about the steadfast love uh, of our God. I want you to feed on that reality, that those truths. Uh, you see, we've got the scripture. This word is so powerful. But you and I read it sometimes and, oh, yeah, okay, I've, I've read that now. How many of us take it and feed on it and chew it and say, this is said to me. This is for me. This is what my God says over me. Though your sins, Meryl, were as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God is so good. See, Satan's main objective, I hate talking about him. I hate giving him any glory. But I want you to know something. Satan's main objective is to defame God. That's his, that's 24 seven. You've heard of uh, defamation of character. Okay. That is what Satan does 24 seven defames God. He wants you. He wants to discredit who God is to you day and night. He wants to distract you from God's beauty and extravagant love. What did he do to Eve? He said, Eve, did God really say you should not eat? And then he went on and said, nah, God knows. If you eat of that tree, you will understand good from evil. You'll be like God. See, God's, uh, what, what word did I put here? Because I liked it. <laughs> God is holding out on you. That's what he did. He defamed God. He wanted Eve to think, Wow, so God knows that if I did this, I'd, I'd be like him and I'd know good from evil. That's a good thing. Why would God hold out on me? He does that to you and I 24-7. Satan is committed and he's on a mission to blind us 
from the extravagant love of God. Ladies, I want you to leave this place tonight saying, no, no longer. My eyes are wide open. My heart is wide open. My mind is believing. God, your extravagant love, I'm going to see. Now, what I thought, which is kind of new, because I don't really like telling too many personal stories, but Tony encouraged me, so it's his fault. But I'm actually going to tell you four stories about the extravagant love of God to me. Because I want you to see what it, and it's going to look completely different for you. That's what I want you to know. It's going to look completely different for you, but I want your eyes to be open to it. So 1983, I was 21 years old. Chris and I had been married for three, four years. We got married at eight. I was 18. And basically, Chris felt God calling him into full-time ministry. And we had seen a movement implode and people get divorced. We had just seen a terrible church implosion. And basically, I was like, no way, Jose. That's very Californian. (laughs) No way, Jose. I am not going into ministry. We can serve God, but I do not want to be in full-time ministry. You and I are teachers. That was the deal. We're going to be school teachers. We're going to raise our children. We're going to have the school holidays. We're going to travel. That was the deal. You know, now you're breaking the deal. I am not going to be a pastor's wife. That is not what I signed up for. And my feet, my heels were in tight. And uh, in a prayer meeting, I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, God, if this is you, you break down the walls. I want to cry even today. And that's exactly what God did. I wept and wept and wept as he broke down the walls of my heart. Because I'd looked at people and man, and I thought, too scary. And uh, God broke down those walls. I walked out of there big red eyes, and I turned to Chris and I said, babe, you can, we can go full time. And he had this Cheshire grin on his face. <laughs> and basically, at 21, this is a little embarrassing, but I'm going to be really honest with you and real. At 21, I honestly thought going into ministry meant I had to sacrifice these things. And these things were big for me at that age. And I'm going to tell you what they are so you know that I'm a very (laughs) feet of clay woman. They were, and I literally laid them on the altar of God, uh, uh, you know, the altar before the Lord. I said, God, I give you these desires. And the first one was ever having nice clothes. Okay? That was the first one. I give this to you because I thought, well, from today onwards, we are going to be poor and I'm going to live in secondhand clothing, like hand me down. So God, I'll give that to you. And it was very serious. It really was serious. The second was ever owning our own home because I just knew that you lived in a manse and, you know, the dominant nation we were kind of part of. Growing up, you lived in a manse, and that was it. You lived in secondhand clothing and a manse. And then the third was ever traveling. Because I had pictured, you know, we would do an overseas trip, like maybe one. And uh, I laid that on the altar with such deep, heartfelt sincerity. I said, God, those are yours. You see, they were my idols. I was holding on to them for dear life, thinking, God, I don't want that. This is what I want. And I was holding on, and God, I laid them on the altar. One or two stories, you're going to see how incredible God is. Now, just uh, two years later... Chris and I are now in the ministry. We're leading a church called Glenridge in Durban, South Africa. And basically, I've got to keep, Kath, will you keep track for me? 
I've basically, um, we're looking for a house. We're already looking for a house. And I'm not in second-hand clothing. <laughs> Those are two pretty big things. And uh, basically, we look. I found this little house. Uh, they want to take us and show us the range, which never do. Never let a realtor, real, what do you call them here? A realtor. Never let them take you to show you the upper end and the lower end, because you'll want that upper end. So they did that. And which house did I want? The uber, uber, uber dream house. But we couldn't afford it. So we had to go for the second dream house, which was not half as nice. But we put an offer in on this little house, and I was just happy that, wow, we might even own a home. And um, the offer fell through. Everything crumbled. I was so devastated. I thought, that's it. Didn't put it all down. I'm not even going to look. This was too, you know, too devastating. A year later... We decided, you know what, let's kind of look again. The, the realtor says to us, you will not believe it, but that dream house, the expensive one, is actually still on the market. It's dropped radically in price. Do you want to maybe make an offer? Looked at all the figures, did all our maths. We were 3,000 rand short, and there was just no ways we could come up with that kind of money. And it was just like, oh, just out of reach, you know. And we just couldn't do it. So we just thought, okay, that's fine. Anyway, same kind of time. We hosted a big international team from England um, under a man called Gerald Coates. I think it was about 40 people. Glenridge is a church. We hosted them. They were in our home and took them all around. We get to the airport saying goodbye to all of them. They're going back after like two, three weeks. And uh, Gerald says, Oh, he has a card for you. And so, you know, Chris and I, I take the card and he says, no, no, I want you to open it. And it was uh, Gerald and Noel standing there. And I thought, oh, you know, it's sweet. So I open the card. And as I open this card, this cash falls out. And as this cash falls out all over, it was very dramatic. It was a beautiful moment. <laughs> we should have filmed it. But... The Spirit of God said, I am giving you that house. And the, I mean, I want to cry again. I'm like, oh, these are really such deep, beautiful moments for me. But you know that I started snorting. I've never done it since, and I don't ever want to do it again. But I, when I cry, it's okay. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's just feasible. I started snorting. I cried so hard, I was going, <laughs> It was absolutely embarrassing, but it was this, it was this God's extra, and I knew, I knew it was 3,000 rand, and it was, it was to the cent, they had no clue, 3,000 rand, and God said, I'm giving you your house. So then, a couple of years later, in fact, quite a couple of years later, because we were immigrating to America, so maybe in the 90s. Uh, a couple that we knew, friends of ours, very prophetic couple, said, we want to have breakfast with you. And they invited us to the Royal Hotel, which was a pretty nice hotel. And we, Chris and I are very happy. And we go. And when we get there, we were there first. They walk in. And as they walk in, the wife is carrying, and I'm not exaggerating, this massive, massive bouquet of roses, just huge, sits down and she says, Meryl, God wants to say to you, extravagant provision extravagant provision and I was just like blown away you know just I mean I, I remember weeping thinking wow extravagant provision and I could literally keep you busy for hours on the detail 
of God's extravagant provision. You see, it's, it's little quirky things for me, like finding sea glass. You know, maybe you all look at me thinking, <laughs> treasure? Yes, treasure for moi. I love sea glass. And God blesses me in the most funny places with little pieces of sea glass. Shells. You know, I never know why people walk on the beach and they just go crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm always walking, oh, oh, treasure, treasure. <laughs> Chris gets so cross when you go for a walk on the beach because it's never like just let's walk. It's always, ah, oh, because I can't help myself. I see beauty. I see such beauty in little things. And then, you know, I could tell you story after story of the clothing God has given me in thrift stores. And people will come to me and say, that, it's a vintage coat a la so-and-so, you know, and it's this tapestry. And I'm like, yeah, $20, you know. (laughs) I mean, just, I I, I honestly cannot even begin because I just have got so many of God's details. See, the things that that he knows I get, like he gets me on those things. You know, like when you've been married a long time and your husband just gets you. So that, that's, that's our God. He knows me. Oh, no? Is that not true? <laughs> he doesn't get you yet? <laughs> There's hope. You've got to hang in. <laughs> Another 20 years. Yeah, I've been around a while. Um, but, you know, I could tell you of the incredible ways. But I want you to know there's a God of extravagant love. And I want you to open your eyes to his extravagant love to you. It's going to look completely different. You might have not sacrificed the things I did, which I feel embarrassed today because literally God blesses me so extravagantly in those very areas. And um, anyway, too many stories. Open your eyes. Faith to see the extravagance of his love. I'm going to tell you one more story. In 2010, and that's the other thing. So now we're in Dubai. We have traveled all over the world, (laughs) which is just mind-blowing because I literally thought I would never leave South Africa. And uh, anyway, 2010, we land in Dubai as we land. And this story, I honestly have not. I've told a few friends, and I don't even, I don't think I've told it publicly. So this is a pretty new thing for me. And land in Dubai, and as we land, we're getting off the aircraft. I just, you know, it's just a, an inner thing that I've learned to recognize is the Spirit of God. It's not like a clear voice. It's not like I hear something. There's just this little inner, and it's the weirdest thing, but this is what I heard. I'm going to give you a diamond. And so I've learned to trust that little voice. See, because it, it does sound a bit bizarre, doesn't it? <laughs> That's why maybe I don't tell the story. But So I thought, wow. So instantly I get off the plane, literally, as I'm on the tarmac or whatever, I'm, I start looking. I'm walking. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to find a ring or an earring. This is so cool. And so everywhere I go, I'm like literally everywhere. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> on the beach, not shells anymore, diamonds. <laughs> and so I, I, I literally look. I mean, I'm really looking because I'm thinking, wow, like, was that the Spirit of God? Well, I'm going to keep my eyes open. So I'm trying to say to you ladies, your eyes need to be open. And basically the end of the conference comes, Chris is speaking on the last morning, and straight from that session we're going to the airport. And there's no diamond. 
And I think, oh, okay, you know, maybe I've, I've just missed it. And uh, as I stand up to kind of, and we literally got hand luggage next to me, I stand up to leave, I notice an envelope on the floor with my name on. So I just grab it, I think, oh, maybe it was a conference thing that I didn't see. Shove it in my hand luggage, rush off to the airport, get to the airport, sitting, having a cup of coffee, and, you know, fiddling through my hand luggage, and I see this envelope, and I think, oh, just open it. I open up the envelope, and I pull out this very formal plastic sleeve with a certified diamond (laughs) in it. Now, I honestly do get embarrassed telling you this, and this is why. See, in my natural self, I'm a very thrifty person. In my natural self, I'm uber practical and uber pragmatic. And I've got all sorts of little rules about how things work, you know, about fairness and about basically God provides for our needs. And, you know, all these man-made rules that I've conjured about how things look and should be and, you know, that that's, you know, yes, that's God's provision because you need it. And, you know, I've got and all of it, to be honest to be ruthlessly honest, is a poverty mindset. And that's just, that's hard to say, but it's the truth. And when I saw this diamond, and there was one little piece of paper, and all it said was from your father. And I just sat and wept. Because what I realized is God isn't the God of just enough. He isn't the God that just says, you know what, I'll, I'll just keep you in the just enough zone. He, he's the God of the more than enough. He's the God of the extravagant and the lavish. And I feel embarrassed to say that he lavished me with a diamond. Because it's not something I needed. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was like, Oh, you, you need this, you know, so I deserve it. It was extravagant. And I just, I'm, I tell you that to say, please look at him. Please look at him. Don't look around you. Don't look at others. Don't look at man. Don't look, you know, don't look at what people have done. Don't, look at him. Gaze upon him. Look at his word. Feed on who he is. Get to know his attributes and truth. You know, I say this wherever I go to ladies because I don't know if you're anything like me. Maybe I'm just, (laughs) but I say this. I say, ladies, don't just listen to yourself. Because if you listen to yourself, well, if I listen to myself, I get into all sorts of trouble. Because I'm one of those people that will say, you shouldn't, you couldn't, how can you? Why must you? You'll never do. You, see, I, I'd, unfortunately, that's how I'm wired. But I am learning to talk to myself. I am learning to say, God, what do you say on this? What do you say about me? What have you declared over me? What is your perspective on this? And I'm learning to talk truth to myself. And not just listen and let the enemy just defame God and just, you know, tell me all these lies. No, I'm learning to talk truth to myself. Ladies, please do that. Now, if I had to stand here tonight and just leave you with those stories, 
I think I would be unfair because I'm standing, like Kath said, it's been a 35-year journey in my walk with God. So, you know, those are little, but it's been 35 years of journeying with God. It's been 32 years, coming up 33, I think, years of marriage to a man that I passionately love, and I've had to fall on my knees and pray for grace to forgive him and to love him one more time. That's the truth. Uh, it's been 20, NAS turns 26 this week of being a mother, which has been an unbelievable privilege and an unbelievable sacrifice. How many of you moms know? But it's not all easy, you know. I've had 30 years of ministry leading two churches. I can tell you some horror stories, but I can tell you some glory stories. So real life is hard, ladies. It is sometimes hard. It is. It's sometimes unfair, You know, we've all got, well, I've got this bent. God, good people, good things happen to good people. You know, sometimes life's unbelievably unfair. Sometimes life is painful, and sometimes it's messy. But I can honestly say, after 35 years of knowing God and 30 years of being in the ministry, I can honestly say there is no shadow of turning in you. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord my Father. There is no shadow of turning in you. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I can say that. It's been very stretching and hard. I'm going to tell you that living in America was never my dream. You know, you heard about the ministry thing, so you kind of get the picture that I'm a pretty... Uh, cautious, pretty safe, you know, I want the comfortable um, person, and basically God has stretched me. (laughs) I married a pioneer. I'm not naturally a pioneer. God has stretched me. He took me to America. I had to leave a very, very, very close-knit family, two sisters on either side of me, a mom and dad that everyone dreams about having, an incredible mother and father. Chris's family, the same. Amazing, amazing people. Took us to America. Very stretching. But you know, want to know what was worse? Was when my 20-something-year-old, 22-year-old, 3-year-old daughter left me in America with my two, she took her, my two grandkids and her husband to come to Perth. So I have a little investment in this land. My daughter... And son, in, you know, in law, they felt called to come and lead a church in Perth. And they basically lead a church. I want you to know that was a very dark time. It felt like someone had died. And I had to re- remind myself, Meryl, they're serving Jesus. <laughs> they love God. They are fulfilling his call. But it felt like somebody died. Because I grieved so deeply over my family leaving me in, in America the same time there was a lawsuit going on and I want you to know that was a dark dark season for Chris and I just I never dreamt we would face as a church a lawsuit and we faced two and it was you know very dark but there was a story that captured Chris and I and our hearts in that time and guess what the story was Joseph if any of you ever studied Joseph that is a phenomenal story I want to encourage you Those of you that are feeling like, where is God? 
I'm in this prison. I'm in darkness. This is hard. Study Joseph. It is the most glorious, glorious story. Kath, how long have I got? See, it's the same God that was with him in famine, that was with him in feast. It's the same God. And Joseph came to know God in the dungeon of prison in in a deep, deep and profound way that he never, ever, ever would have known in the privilege of his father's favoritism and favor. See, he was protected there. God, and Joseph says it of himself, you intended this for harm. God intended this for good. I want you to go and look at uh, Genesis 50, the end of the story, where Joseph's brothers, the dads now died, they think Joseph is now going to take it out on them because the dad's dead. And Joseph says the most profound words. Um, God meant it for good. And he says, don't be afraid. I will provide for you. And he says, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Where did Joseph find that humility? Oh, this is the word. He says, am I in the place of God? This proud, favorite son, raised in privilege, you know, cloak, all of that. A changed man because of prison. See, God can take you to the dark places. We went to dark places, but I want you to know that I stand today grateful. Chris said this. He said, God, if you had to take me through another lawsuit just to teach me that you're kind, I would do it again. And I looked at him and said, no, 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 no. (laughs) But for him, it is such a deep revelation that God is kind that he he says it was worth it because that's the gem that he learned. Okay, I, I felt prophetically some of you might be at this place. There's a story in Mark 4, and it's Jesus says to these men, let's go across to the other side. They climb in this boat, and halfway across there's this massive windstorm, and the waves are breaking into the boat. The boat's filling with water, and guess what? Jesus is asleep. And you see, that storm was a storm of obedience. All they had done was they had said, Oh, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Oh, good. Let's jump in the boat and take Jesus. See, that was a storm of obedience. We understand better the storms of Jonah, don't we? You know, he's a disobedient guy, that big storm. Yes, you know, throw him overboard. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that sounds so unmerciful and horrible. But the storm of obedience, I felt like some of you are in. It's like that lawsuit, we felt God say, sell the land. We felt we were being as obedient, and we had these two lawsuits. And you want to say, but God, you said. I think some of you here are maybe in a storm of obedience. It's like you are doing your level best to obey and do what God has said, and yet there's a storm. I want you to open. You see, Jesus... Jesus, our beautiful, beautiful Savior, he faced a storm of obedience. And it was a massive storm of obedience at Calvary. And we need to look to him and say, there was a world of gross unfairness. I mean, he was perfect. And there was this world of gross unfairness that I cannot even imagine what he went through. But there was a God of sacrificial love that said, it's worth it. 
God's sacrificial love towards you and me is huge, ladies. There's a God of extravagant love that loves you, that wants to know you, that knows you intimately. He knows the details about your life. But are your eyes open to say, God, I'm going to believe you to be there in this storm. I want to end with a scripture. Um, John 17. There was two other scriptures I didn't read, sorry, but they are here in my notes. John 17 verse 23 says this, and it's Jesus speaking. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, that's you and me, ladies, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, Father, this is Jesus saying this, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Ladies, just meditate there. Just go right there and just say, God, the love with which you have loved Jesus and Jesus is in me. So that I can know that love with which you have loved Jesus. He lives inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Ladies, this is a glorious, glorious gospel. Please open your eyes. Open your hearts. Open your minds. Say, God, yes, I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to look to see the extravagant love of my God in my life. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.